This is Road Tripping in America, a podcast about life on the road. I'm Lisa. And this is Paul. We are exploring the U.S. in a pickup truck with a camper. We named our setup The Bobs. If you daydream about long-term travel or overlanding or hashtag van life, or maybe you're already on your own adventure, join us for some entertainment from the road. We are in search of off-the-beaten-path adventures and new experiences after a year and a half of standing still. Today, a special edition all about mountain biking in and around Colorado. We rank, we review, we get bruised often. This is Series 2, Episode 4, the Colorado Mountain Biking Special. One note about today. We seem to be having some technical issues with some buzzing in our microphone that I haven't been able to figure out yet, so apologies uh, in advance for when you hear that in the background. I'm pretty new to this mountain biking thing. I love road biking. I like to go fast with little to no effort involved. When mountain biking at best, I feel like a little kid flying down the hill behind my house, making paths through the woods with my cousins, all thoughts gone from my mind as I swoop around nicely banked corners. At worst, I'm jumping on and off my bike when the going gets too rocky, loose, or steep, bruising my shins with my studded pedals while I push my bike up a hill so steep my feet slide out behind me, or flying down a trail above my skill level, letting out a steady stream of curses, yelps, and ouches. Paul's usually following behind me, shouting out encouragement and helpful tips, which I usually appreciate but sometimes do not appreciate. The thing is, I don't really want to get better. I just want to have fun. Paul's been into mountain biking for a long time, though. When I met him, he owned four bikes and enough bike parts to cobble together a couple more. Good enough. So Paul's really into biking. All right. <laughs> well, I was. I, is this going to be like a monologue piece? Or are you going to pepper Lisa in? It sounded like you're going to pepper Lisa in. Cool, cool, cool. We've spent the majority of the summer exploring mountain bike trails in and around Colorado, and now we've visited enough of them to be able to put together our own personal list of the best spots. So we weighed two factors the most. One was trails and how near they were to the camping, how easy they were or hard, (laughs) and how much fun we had on them. The second biggest piece was the camping. How were the spots laid out? Were you on top of other people? Was it expensive? Less important were the amenities available. So were there bathrooms? Was there water? None of these places had showers, so we didn't have to worry about that. (laughs) But some had showers nearby, which was nice. And that kind of fell into our other category of what else was going on. Were there bears in the area? Were there rodents? Did we get chased by animals? That sort of thing. So trails and camping, biggest categories, everything else we tried to take into account. All right, so we had a top three, and then we had a bunch of other spots that we went, but the top three really stood out. Let's do this in reverse order and start with our number three favorite Colorado mountain biking spot. And our number three favorite spot was the Hartman Rocks area outside of Gunnison, Colorado. There, the trails were amazing. Uh, Two of our favorites were Sea of Sage and the Luge, which were both, I think, 100% downhills and were a lot of fun to bomb down. There were trails everywhere. There were a lot of easy trails, a lot of difficult trails. I think the only downside was that there were a fair number of motorcyclists, which is a little loud, but again, not that big a deal. I don't think we ever ran into one on the trail. We just had them around. Yeah, there was that little kid that... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some kids tried to kill us. 
in a, in a, yeah, in a sweet way. So there was that one incident. But the trails were fantastic. And the easy ones were legitimately easy and fun. And the hard ones were easy enough to stay away from. We didn't entirely stay away from them. We ended up on a blue that was very steep. <laughs> and yeah, I screwed up my finger trying to squeeze between two rocks that I don't think you could physically bike through. So somehow some people make it. I did not make it. <laughs> Lisa was wise enough to walk. So those trails were amazing. The camping was all designated dispersed. So there were labeled spots inside of this whole area that you could camp at. And you were not supposed to camp between the spots or anywhere else. And there were a ton of them. So it was easy to find a spot. It was easy to kind of be separate from other people. Other people were able to grab spots that were close to each other if they had a bigger group. All the trails were pretty close. It was just the the ones on the western side, the spots on the western side were maybe a little bit farther away from the main stuff, but the western side is where you want to come in. The It's the back, back entrance, and it's just way less eroded off and rutted and rocky. Um, the main entrance was terrible. <laughs> So yeah, the campsites were amazing. Because it was so busy and developed and well utilized, there were porta potties at basically every intersection. So every campsite was within walking or a short bike ride to a bathroom, which was nice too. In the town at the main town park, you can fill up your water jugs and you can bring in plenty of water because there's no water inside of the area, as far as we could tell. So if you're going to camp a few days, you bring in a few gallons because it's pretty hot. Yeah, we were able to fill up our big jug after we got it from Walmart and had plenty of water the entire time we were there, which was really nice. We didn't figure out showers in Gunnison. Maybe there's something. The other thing is that Gunnison has an Ace Hardware store that sells rodent repellent, which is <laughs> a recommended thing to bring along. Because this is why I wasn't as big of a fan of it. <laughs> Lisa, This is one of Lisa's favorite spots to be. I got a little turned off by the rodent that tried to live under our uh, engine, and I had to fight it off a couple of nights to, to get it out of there. We eventually got rid of it with the rodent repellents, and we will always have those from now on. But it was pretty infuriating, um, having a pack rat basically trying to tear apart our our truck. <laughs> Enough said. The other thing I liked about Gunnison was that they had that cycling-themed bike shop, coffee shop. Double Shot Cyclery. They also had great t-shirts and drinks at night. Really fun place. That was really cool. So if you wanted, uh, if you needed anything for your bike, uh, you could get it there, but you could also just get a great cup of coffee and hang out um, and use their Wi-Fi and, you know, take in the scene. Gunnison's got kind of a cute main street, and that coffee shop is definitely worth stopping at. Okay, what was our number two favorite Colorado mountain biking spot? All right, our second favorite spot was the Thunder Trail system outside of Norwood, Colorado. There were fewer trails. There was 20 miles of single track and a gravel road that you could kind of piece things together with. There was more single track on the other side of the town that we didn't get to, but we ran into a ranger and he recommended it. So we'll have to go back there and check it out. But those trails were fun as well. And if you biked up into the area farther, you could generally take the single track downhill and ride uphill on the on the main road. There are two sides of the loops. One was more along the cliff into Naturita Canyon. And those trails were much rockier. 
I rode more of those than Lisa. We kind of just bailed on the one that we tried. You know, the other the other side, the inland side, is just super fun, and you could ride it all day. You can ride it uphill and downhill and maybe not run into anybody because we didn't run into anybody at all. We saw some cows. There were other people using the trails. We saw them, but we never encountered anybody on the trails. We really just talked to that ranger guy who was super friendly and talking about defueling the area, which took us a cycle to figure out what that meant, <laughs> or at least me. He's going to light some stuff on fire. You can cut all that out if you want. Yeah. So those were the trails. They, they were also really well labeled, and, oh, yeah. and they had super nice maps at every intersection, so you always kind of knew where you were, and you could see if you wanted to uh, you know, veer off your planned route and check out something else. There were a couple of really tricky sections, but some of them even had bypasses. And in general, it was just really pleasant, fun, single track. So Norwood had designated dispersed campsites too. Again, free. Gunnison was free. So that just means that six sites were labeled, hey, you can camp here. After that sixth site, you could keep going up the dirt road and, and try to find another site. We only found one or two. And we stayed at that other site, I think, two nights. And then we stayed at an official site two nights. And they were both nice. The nice part about the designated area is if you're close to the trailhead, you can bike over to the trailhead, porta potty, and use that. And that was the only toilet kind of in in the, in the area for miles, yes. <laughs> but all the sites were very well spaced. They were very private. They were all wooded and beautiful. And so when you were camping, again, nobody was there. <laughs> but even if other people were there, I don't think you would have even seen them because there was just so much space between each site. They were really nicely laid out. They had fire rings. They had clear areas for tents and probably enough room for little trailers. The only thing about the camping is that the road in is kind of rough, kind of like the Gunnison main path in. It was fairly washboarded, but not anything you couldn't do. It was just not super pleasant. With amenities, again, there was no water at the trailhead. Even in town, water was a little in short supply. It seemed like they were all sold out of gallon jugs at the grocery store. The parks didn't really have anything that we could find. We ended up going to Telluride one day and getting a shower at their aquatic center. We also filled up our water there. We were going to camp in the area and we decided, mm, let's go back to Norwood. <laughs> so we went all the way back to Norwood. And I, I think that's kind of a good move. Like if you wanted to spend a bunch of days there, break it up, day trip over to Telluride, get lunch, get a shower and, you know, check out that town. Lisa mentioned this a couple of episodes ago where Telluride is just mobbed right now. There were just crowds of people. Everybody's enjoying this stuff right now. And maybe that'll change in the fall as people go back to school. But when we were there, it was insane. And I think that was kind of the, the main downside, too, is just that if you wanted some of that stuff, you kind of did have to trek over to Telluride, which I think was a, just under an hour. You know, in that immediate area of Norwood, there's not a lot of that stuff. Norwood's a very small town. There's a grocery store and a gas station, and like, not a ton. There's like two streets. It's very kind of quaint and cute, but not a lot of backup stuff. <laughs> but it was cute, and you know, the rangers were really nice. The ranger we talked to was really nice. I don't remember his name. Do you remember his name? I think his name was Eric. He really loved the trails and was torn between wanting to share them with others and wanting to keep them a secret so they don't get too busy. Oh, the other... Oh, I did have one more thing about Norwood... If you go in the other direction of Telluride, you can go up through Nucla to Gateway, 
and you can get to like a really cool resort area that looks spectacular and it is the entirely opposite end of the comfort spectrum of what you're experiencing at the Thunder Trails dispersed camping. <laughs> There's like red rocks and beautiful vistas and I on a whim I think I looked it up to see if we could just maybe swing a night there and I think it was to uh, like three or four hundred dollars so we didn't do that this time maybe next time <laughs> but again a beautiful area of Colorado that's very quiet and kind of uh, undiscovered it feels like you know we felt like the only tourist in some of these towns sometimes as opposed to when you're in Telluride and you're like I can't believe anybody actually lives here it's entirely the opposite if you go west out of the Norwood or uh, east out of town so that's spots three and two Gunnison's Hartman Rocks Recreation Area and Norwood's Thunder Trail System, respectively. We'll get to our number one favorite Colorado mountain baking spot after the break. In the Bobs, one of our biggest luxuries is our Dometic Refrigerator Cooler. It keeps our food and drinks cold and we never need to buy ice. It's a game changer. With our Dometic fridge hooked up to our solar panel and battery, we can have cold beer for days. Our supply just doesn't always last that long. Check out all the options at Dometic.com. If you use our link, roadtrippinginamerica.com slash Dometic, D-O-M-E-T-I-C, we earn an affiliate commission for our podcast and you pay the same great price and you'll never have to buy ice again either. Welcome back. Okay, so what is the number one spot? Are you ready? Uh, Well, so number one, this is definitely my number one and Lisa's grudgingly number one. No, don't say grudgingly. Well, you definitely liked Gunnison. Top three. Top three for both of us. My undisputed number one. Lisa's very close to that position. <laughs> what, what's the area called? Chicken? Turkey? <laughs> Turkey Springs Trail System. The Turkey Springs Trail System outside of Pagosa Springs. So, again, dispersed camping, lots of mountain bike trails. The trails were fantastic. Like Gunnison, they were almost endless. So you could ride... For days and never go down the same trail you could piece together different loops and have all sorts of variety i thought it was turkey string or chicken all right turkey creek turkey springs turkey springs i thought it was turkey creek no i thought i looked it up one sec <laughs> where is it turkey springs is that what you said yes <laughs> yeah you're right no shit. <laughs> All right, Turkey Springs outside. What was I saying? Oh, the routes. Yeah, virtually endless loops. The trails weren't too bad. The blues were, I think we ended up on a couple of blues and they weren't insane. They were just a little rockier. So tons of trails. The trails are also open to OHVs and stuff like that. So, you know, Gunnison had uh, motorcycles allowed. In Pagosa Springs, you could drive like a side-by-side or a, a four-wheeler. Not on all the trails. So they definitely had some trails. That comes into the camping situation maybe more because the noise factor. The camping around Turkey Creek was dispersed just like the other spots, just not designated. So as long as there was a pull-off and a fire ring, you could grab that spot and camp uh, for free for 14 days. We camped in two areas, one kind of on the main road where we ended up along a OHV trail, which was a little bit noisy and a little annoying, but like still very peaceful at night. It just meant during the afternoons, people would kind of buzz by, but not the end of the world. We also camped down a spur, uh, so a little side road, and that spot was like kind of creepy silent almost. Um, one person 
walked their dog by in the morning and another person drove by, I think, and that's all we saw. So potentially a little bit more peaceful on the spurs if that's what you want. The trails were close to a lot of the spots too, so you were always just a short little ride from an intersection. It was either just down the road a bit or you'd be almost across the street from a trailhead. Our first spot, I think we're about 400 yards from a trailhead, which was awesome. So tons of spots, very peaceful. This place had zero bathrooms, not even at the trailhead. No water, tough to get water in town, just like Norwood. I was during our early days when we were kind of reliant on jugs from the market and that was a flawed strategy. So we ended up chasing around Pagosa Springs and looking for options. So because we weren't able to get jugs from the the grocery store, we looked around at parks and tried to find water fill spots. There's a great park in town that seemingly had everything, but their fill station was broken. There were a couple of baseball fields where the water was locked up. We eventually found a park that had a spot where we could fill up some water, and, and we filled up three or four gallons there. But it wasn't as easy as Gunnison. But I think going forward, we'll always bring just tons of water. We'll bring extra. We travel now with like 10 gallons. That was kind of funny because it's Pagosa Springs, right? It's a water town, but water was tough to find. On the other side, the showers were amazingly easy. There were showers right in town, right at the main community center, right near all the springs and the and the river. So if you needed, a, if you wanted a shower, you can go. You go to the town center. You walk up to the front, and I think it was four dollars for like an unlimited kind of locker room shower with hot water. The other thing that Pagosa Springs has going for it is that it's a you know hot spring town. So if you want a hot spring soak, you can find a spot in the river, I think, and kind of commandos the wrong word. It's like <laughs> what is it? Off the grid or how would you describe that? Rustic. You can just go into the river rustic style <laughs> and soak in some hot water, or you can go to like a fancy resort and pay twenty or thirty or forty or fifty dollars and have a fancier experience. You can go into the river, get a $4 shower afterward, you're golden. That's what we'll do next time. The trails at Turkey Springs weren't as well signed as the trails at Gunnison or, or Norwood, though. No maps on every intersection. Trails that weren't on trail had maps. We got a little lost, actually, right? The tr- they, were not as si- they were not signed as well as the uh, other two, but they were fairly well signed once you kind of figured out the way they kind of they did things. And they did things basically at main intersections, things would be pointed out so that you kind of knew where you were going, even though a couple of times when we thought we knew where we were going, we started going the wrong way. Not the end of the world. The trails were pleasant. And we did, I don't think we got in over our head there, really. We were going to bike all the way to the ridge because it looked like we could have an overlook of the town. We ended up losing a lot of elevation and kind of thinking halfway through that this is going to turn into a much longer ride than we were we were trying to bite off. So we we turned around. That's probably where we use the mountain biking project app the most. Uh, so get that if you're in the area. Everybody there though was nice and would seemingly help you. They got a couple of people asked if we were in need of directions, but we had our app, which was totally unnecessary in Norwood and not needed at all in, in Gunnison. So Pagosa Springs, our collective ranked choice number one spot. Say it like that. <laughs> But yeah, I loved it. All three of them were amazing. Um, I would love to go back. If we go back to Pagosa Springs, the one thing that I also noticed is that they had tons of food options. So 
you know, Norwood had like a restaurant. Gunnison had a fair number of restaurants. But Pagosa Springs had cool, like cool options. There was a Hmong place that I think we both wanted to go to that we just saw too late. So we'll be getting that next time too. All right, let's, should we do other spots? Yeah. Other spots that we liked a lot but weren't quite top three material. The Buffalo Pass trail system outside of Steamboat was awesome. The trails definitely tended to be more difficult. The trickiest one is probably the one that just bombs down from the top into town. It's it's like seven or eight miles of downhill, kind of like the expert level trail in the area. Looks like a lot of fun. Maybe one of us will do it next time. <laughs> you know, you definitely want to drive it downhill because you lose a lot of elevation. And it's actually a one-way trail, which is really nice. So there's two trails next to each other. One is a two-way and the harder one is dedicated down. The camping in that area is a little trickier. They had some dispersed spots, but they were very unlevel and kind of just on the side of that mountain. The better spot to camp is in the Dry Lake campground where it's 10 bucks a night, which is pretty cheap. But in that campground, there's an active bear. We saw it when I was riding. I came across some very fresh bear poo. I was in like one of those areas where it's very difficult to see into the forest uh, what's around you. So it spooked me pretty good. There were bear tracks on the trail for the next quarter mile or so. So I don't know if the bear was in front of me or had passed through earlier in the morning, but there were no bike tracks on top of the bear tracks (laughs) until mine rolled through. So that was a little exciting, kind of a minus one (laughs) for the trails there. Just the whole area around Steamboat was crazy with bears like right in town there was bear poop along the river all over the place so you kind of have to be comfortable with bears in that spot so the happy jack trails outside of laramie wyoming are another cool spot where you can camp and bike at in the same area there are dispersed spots there are also developed campgrounds i think there are three one's called thai city the vita uh campground is close but it's more on the hiking side of things, but that's the nicest campground in the area. Thai City's $10 a night. There's another $10 a night one that's pretty exposed. We ended up staying at Thai City, kind of hoping that the weather would be nice, and it ended up not being nice. So we kind of bailed on the area because the forecast was for rain for the foreseeable future. But in the past, when we've biked there, the trails are amazing. They're swoopy and fun and not too, not too crazy. So another great place to visit if you want to camp and bike right next to each other, bike in, bike out. We also were on top of the Grand Mesa outside of Grand Junction where there are a ton of trails. I only rode one bigger one. The big trail that's opening in the near future is called the Palisade Plunge, and it's like 30 miles of downhill that goes from the top of the Grand Mesa all the way down to Palisade, the town just to the east of, of Grand Junction. So that'll be really awesome. Sections of it are open now, but it's not like officially open. You know, that's one where you probably want to shuttle. That's not one where you, you know, maybe leave in the morning and bike back in the afternoon. (laughs) That would be, that'd be a hell of a ride. (laughs) But there is a service in Palisade that has a shuttle that'll take you up to the open BART and drop you off and send you down. You can even rent a full suspension mountain biking from them. So if you are in the area and you just catch the bug to ride 30 miles downhill, probably breaking the entire time. (laughs) There's one short bike rental away. I really want to do it, but it seems terrifying. I mean, because it's not only is it like downhill and steep the entire way, you're like on the side of a mesa. So like it's 
exposed <laughs> and rocky. Bring your full face helmet. Another spot, I don't remember what the Buena Vista trails were called. I'm not sure the trail system had its own specific name. The, the trails are part of the four mile recreation area. The trails themselves have fantastic names though, like Fistful of Dollars, Broken Boyfriend, Bacon Bits. Outside of Buena Vista, Colorado, it's another great place where you can camp and bike. The trails actually start in the downtown area and you can go from the main drag through their Riverside Park onto a single track trail and bike all the way up to an area where you can disperse camp. There aren't a ton of spots that we saw. The road in is a little rough. I mean, it's nice at first and then it just gets worse and worse. But there are a handful of spots right in the beginning that are totally accessible. Not a ton of amenities. There's a, a porta potty at the trailhead. There's water, and there's supposed to be showers at that park too, which we didn't see. The town's got everything too, like a cute bakery and a couple of fun restaurants. Weirdly, no like old timey Western bar. I don't know what the deal is with Buena Vista, but they don't have like a cool saloon like Leadville. <laughs> that's one of the things that's not worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, like only I care about that. Like, I just think that every town should have like an old-timey saloon, especially a western town. So the best thing about the Buena Vista trails is just the views. When you're up on the trails, you're across the valley from the Collegiate Peaks, so you have these amazing views of perfectly formed, exactly how you would draw them mountains. Like the Collegiate Peaks are beautiful mountains, and and you have wonderful views of them from the trails. The trails themselves are kind of tricky, not a ton of easy trails, but the intermediates were a little, inter I mean, they were maybe a little bit, they were tricky, but still fun. I think they were kind of at like my max level and maybe just a little beyond Lisa, so Lisa didn't have as much fun. What else? We have a couple of spots that are on our list of places we want to go. One is Leadville. We've passed through Leadville a couple of times. We've camped in the area only one night. It seems like a high potential spot. We really like the town itself, and they have, they have the perfect old-timey saloon called the Silver Dollar Saloon, and it's what every Western town should have, or what should aspire to have. So yeah, we want to we ride more in Leadville. The tricky thing about Leadville is that it's at 10,000 feet, so like you're just way up there, and uh, we've definitely seen that the higher elevation spots are tougher to bike in just because there's less air, and even though we've lived in Fort Collins for a number of years and we're kind of used to some of this, it's still tough when you're up at like eight or 9,000 feet trying to bike up to nine or 10,000 feet. <laughs> the other spot is outside of Cortez. There's an area called Phil's World, which has supposedly really cool single track. I've wanted to ride there for years, but we've just never quite uh, hit it right. And, and and we don't have the camping figured out in that area. So we, we might have to, you know, set up camp a little ways away and, and drive over to the trailheads, which is, you know, not as convenient as Hartman Rocks or Turkey Creek or Thunder Trails, where you can camp right next to the, the trails. Phil's World's very popular, though, so I don't know if it would even work, but we got to get there sometime. The, the other tricky part about Cortez and that area is that it's just very hot. So when we were in the area, it was over 90. I think it was getting into the 100 some days, and we just, it's tough at that temperature if you are in a camper that's sun holds all the sway over the temperature inside of it, right? We can open the windows and fight off some temps, but we don't have air conditioning. And, you know, biking when it's 100 is, is tricky anyway. 
So we got to come back in the fall or the spring and check out Cortez. Do you have any suggestions for mountain bike trails we should check out in Colorado or anywhere else, really? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know at info at roadtrippinginamerica.com. Next time, we really will get to the budget update and our days spent roaming around Dinosaur National Monument that we promised last time. Until then, check out our website, roadtrippinginamerica.com, for more. If you are enjoying this podcast, please share it with a friend who's also into travel, overlanding, or van life, or mountain biking this time. Thanks for listening. Let's cut all that other crap. You don't have a lot to pick through for the, for the blooper. Are you ready for a new book? I have a suggestion for you. The White Heart of Mojave Annotated by Lisa McNamara, that's me, and Edna Brush Perkins is now available on Amazon as an ebook or paperback. Get the Kindle version for less than the cost of a gallon of gas, or the paperback version with full color photographs and better portability for your next overland adventure. Search for The White Heart of Mojave Annotated. The annotated is the really important bit on Amazon today.